Okay, folks, today we're in lesson five. We're going to look at the plagues of God. Now, this is always very interesting, and it's always very traumatic. Uh, it's actually pretty devastating if you think about what they went through. You're probably going to be surprised by some things. I kind of alluded to that last week about who the plagues were on and uh, so forth. And we're going to see God showing himself to be very sovereign over the affairs in Egypt. So again, we're not, we're just going to look at nine of them today. The tenth one and the events surrounding the tenth one are for a whole nother lesson. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. But let's, let's talk about the plagues of God. We're going to look at plagues one through nine. We're going to look at chapter 7, verse 14, through chapter 10, verse 29. And you're going to see that God shows himself to be very sovereign, and hopefully we'll have a little bit of discussion here about some of the things as we go through it. Again, we're not going to read uh, these, these passages. However, we're just going to make note of them. So the first plague is the water turned to blood. Water turned to blood, and specifically the River Nile. As you know, the main artery in Egypt, even to this day, of everything is the Nile. And it was a source of water, source of transport, source of food, source of, for irrigation of their crops. And so the first thing that God deals with as he's dealing with Pharaoh and as he wants to punish Egypt is, is he's going to turn the river to blood. So let's take a look at this. First of all, the Lord tells Moses and Aaron that Pharaoh's heart is hard and he will not release Israel. I think that's interesting. God's, you know, God's been telling them go and he's going to get ready to tell them to go. Go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But right off the bat, the Lord says his heart's hard. He's not going to listen to you. Okay, he's not going to listen to you. And you're like, you might be thinking, well, well, why in the world do they have to do this? Well, God is wanting to show himself mighty. God is wanting to show himself in a mighty way to Egypt. And ultimately later, we're going to see to the nations there in Canaan that they will go to conquer. So they were to meet Pharaoh at the river and tell him that the Lord will strike the river. So they were to go down to the river, probably Pharaoh's on his royal barge or whatever, who knows, maybe Pharaoh may even just be walking by the river, but they were to meet Pharaoh, and they were to tell Pharaoh that unless he let the people go, God was going to strike the river. Okay, now here's how he was going to strike the river. The Lord will turn the river to blood, the fish die, and it will stink and be undrinkable. So it's not just turning the water red. It's going to be such that when it becomes red, the fish are going to die, the river is going to stink, and people will not be able to drink the water. Okay? People will not be able to drink the water. Aaron uses the rod of God to turn all the water in the land of Egypt to blood. Aaron uses the rod of God 
to turn all the water in the land of Egypt to blood. Now, when you read the text, it's going to say even water that was in a bucket. Now, you say, what does that have to do with the river? Well, basically, God is telling them that the water that you have drawn out, all the water that came from the Nile, all that water is going to be turned to blood. It's going to stink. You can't drink it. It's going to be judged. That would be pretty devastating, wouldn't it? I mean, think for a moment. If you live here in Kerwinsville, you get your water from Pike Township, Municipal Authority. If all of a sudden all the water in the pipes were red, what would you do? You'd say this it's obviously some kind of mineral issue here. No, no, if it was red and stank, you wouldn't be what? Drinking it. You'd be heading down the road to Walmart to buy as much bottled water as you can, as well as the other 2,000 people who live here in town, right? So all the water in the land is turned to blood. The fish in the river died, the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water. Actually, I would say everyone could not drink the water because what you're going to see is, is that this judgment was not just experienced by the Egyptians, but by everyone, including the Hebrews. Including the Hebrews. So God is allowing them to go through this. Now, let's stop for a moment. Why do you think God's allowing the Hebrews to go through this? Why would he allow the Hebrews? Okay. Okay. All right, so Bruce is saying two things. He's saying, number one, the Israelites were whining. Remember, they didn't want to listen to Moses anymore. They didn't believe, you know, because... Moses and Aaron were supposed to go, even though things are bad, God's going to deliver you. They didn't want to have anything to do, so their unbelief. But then also, number two, with the water, everybody draws from the same river. It's like, do you go and all of a sudden your water turns to white? I mean, you clear or, or, or whatever, you know? It, it's, it's very much going to be affecting everyone. But I would say the main reason is, you're right, Bruce, about the water, but the main reason is that they're being punished for their unbelief as well. Okay? Not punished, but they're get, God's getting their attention. Now, you think that would get your attention? Okay? Now, the magicians, now here's the problem. The magicians reproduced the plague, and Pharaoh hardened his heart as he rejected God. So somehow, the magician, the Egyptian magician, the wise men, we're able to reproduce water being turned to blood. And, of course, Pharaoh didn't believe it was God then. Well, it's pretty tough when you got a whole river stinking and fish are dead and, you know what I'm saying, nobody can drink the water. The people sought water. It, it, it says here that the people sought water by digging wells near the river. So, I mean, you still got to drink, right? How long can you go without water, folks? Yeah, so you got to, so what do they do? They can't get it out of the river, so they start digging wells near the river so that they can try to get water. They're hoping that maybe the water table is such that it, that whatever is read there got filtered out by the ground or something. 
Then comes the next plague. We see this, the plague of frogs, in chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. So here we go with the second plague, which is the plague of frogs. Moses tells Pharaoh that if he refuses to release Israel, the Lord will strike Egypt with frogs. And I'm not just talking about a little group of frogs. I'm talking about frogs everywhere. In fact, the text tells you that the frogs were even in their homes. Okay? Literally everywhere. So Aaron stretched out the rod, and the land was covered with frogs. So the land was covered with frogs. The magicians, this is amazing, isn't it? The magicians reproduced the plague of the frogs. Now how they did that, it doesn't say. It says that they were able to reproduce the same plague. So guess what, folks? Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and asked God to remove all Remove the frogs and he would release the people. So Pharaoh's getting a little bit wiser now. He's like, okay, all right, well, go tell your God, get rid of the frogs and I'll let your people go. Okay? Get rid of the frogs and I'll let your people go. Now again, let me just stop for a moment. This plague was not just experienced by the Egyptians, but also by the Israelites. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because God's trying to get their attention. Moses cried out to the Lord, and the frogs died. That's kind of ooey-gooey, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, now all these frogs are dead. So the text says that they gathered them all up and, and, and piled them in piles to rot. Okay? Piled them in piles to rot. Now, when Pharaoh saw the relief from the frogs, he hardened his heart and rejected the Lord again. Okay, we don't have to worry about that one. I'm not letting you go. Okay? It's interesting, isn't it? Now we come to the next plague, which is the plague of gnats. Now, some of your Bibles, like the King James, the New King James, will say lice. It's actually gnats we're talking about here. How many of you like gnats? You know, when I was down in South Carolina, we had gnats that we called noceums. You know what I'm saying? They kind of would get through the, the screen and get at you. They're aggravating, aren't they? You like gnats? I don't like gnats. How would you like to have the whole land covered in gnats? That's what happens. Aaron struck the dust of the land, and the land was infested with gnats that covered man and beast. Aaron struck with his rod the dust of the land, and everybody's covered with gnats. Every animal, everything is covered with gnats. That's just plain gross, isn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? And once again, everybody is suffering this. Egyptian and Hebrew. The magi- now, at this point, if you're the magician, you've done the, you think about it, you've done the water thing, turning it to blood. You've done the what? You've done the frogs. But can you turn dust into gnats? 
At this point, they're saying, no, they can't. In fact, the magicians acknowledge this was God. In fact, the text says this was the finger of God. This was God, but Pharaoh continued to harden his heart. Okay? Pharaoh continued to harden his heart. Now, it's interesting to me, it doesn't say that Pharaoh asked God to get rid of the gnats. Okay? doesn't say that. Now we come to the fourth plague, which is the plague of flies. Now, how many of you like flies, especially this time of year, those fat, lazy ones that are floating around your house? Do you know what I'm saying? They're just kind of, they're kind of lazy and everything. You know, nobody likes flies. In fact, would you agree that when you see a bunch of flies, that tells you that things aren't clean? It's like, it's pretty, they're, they're disgusting animals, right? Insects, I should say, right? Well, the plague of flies, it's no different in Egypt, all right? Moses tells Pharaoh that the Lord will strike Egypt with flies if he does not let Israel go. So Moses goes, once again, he meets with Pharaoh, says, hey, the Lord says, let my people go to sacrifice to me, and if you don't do this, God's going to strike you with flies, now, this is where things start to change. There could be several reasons for this. Let me tell you what the Lord is going to do now. The Lord will distinguish between Israel and Egypt as Israel will not suffer the plague of flies. So now, with this plague... Who's the only one who's going to experience the flies? Who? The Egyptians. Are the Israelis going to experience the flies? Okay, now let me stop for a moment. Why do you think they start... I mean, there could be several reasons why this is happening. Why does God all of a sudden at this point, with this plague, decide to make a distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians? Why? Okay, all right, all right, to separate them. But what else, guys, folks? What do you think? Maybe the children of Israel finally starting to get it. Okay, that's good. Anybody else? Okay, let's talk about this. If you have water that turns to blood, what do all the frogs do? Can they do they die in the river? Well, no, they get out of the river. Do you understand what I'm saying? So somebody could say, well, okay, river was a natural thing, natural thing with the frogs. Frogs die, bunch of gnats, natural thing, right? Because everybody's experiencing it. Now we come to the next plague, and it's flies. And everybody say, well, yeah, flies, rotting carcasses of frogs, makes sense, right? Except God says, no, you are the only ones who are going to experience the flies. Not who? Israel. So he starts making a distinction that the plagues are against who? The Egyptians, not the Israelites. Do you understand what I'm saying? Plus, it also answers anybody who wants to say that this is a natural phenomena. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because think about it, folks. If you're in an area 
and it's infested with frogs and flies, and the flies only bother you, but they don't bother anybody else, you start wondering if there's something wrong with what? You. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Especially if nobody else is getting affected by it. So Pharaoh tells Israel to sacrifice to the Lord in Egypt, but Moses refuses. So now Pharaoh's going to compromise a little bit. He's going to say, hey, wait a minute, hold on. Okay, wait a minute, okay. Why don't you guys just go ahead and do your sacrifice right here in Egypt? If you're going to sacrifice to the Lord, you don't need to go to the wilderness. You just do it right here. Moses refuses. Here's what Moses says. Moses says, no, we can't do that because what we're going to do is an abomination to the Egyptians. And if we do that here, because it's an abomination to you, you will kill us for making these sacrifices. So we can't do it here. We have to leave. Okay, so he refuses to do what Pharaoh is suggesting. Pharaoh promises to let them go if Moses will ask God to remove the flies. So again, the flies are there. After a while, the flies kind of get to you because they're everywhere. And where do flies go? They go on you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and so Pharaoh says, look, I'll let the people go if you tell God to remove the flies. So once the flies were removed, Pharaoh hardened his heart and did not release Israel. Hello, Pharaoh. But he doesn't release them. Once again, the flies are removed, and he doesn't release them. Now things are going to get a little bit more drastic. This one is called the plague of the livestock. Moses told Pharaoh that the Lord will kill the Egyptians' livestock if he does not let Israel go. All right, now, just so you understand, Egypt may be an empire, but it's still an agrarian culture. Do you understand what an agrarian culture is? That's a culture that's based on agriculture. And a major part of agriculture is not just crops, but it's also animals. And so now Moses is coming and saying, Pharaoh, you need to let us go or God's going to kill all of your animals. Kill all of your livestock, the sheep, everything. They're all going to be killed. The livestock of Israel was not to be touched, yet Pharaoh's heart became hard and he did not listen. Isn't that amazing? Their livestock starts to die, but the livestock of the Israelites live. They don't die at all. But he doesn't listen. Here comes one that will get your attention. It's called the plague of boils. Boils that become open sores. Okay? Moses stood before Pharaoh and threw ashes from a furnace in the air and the boils covered the Egyptians. So there he is, he, he, he goes and gathers ashes, as he's told by the Lord, throws those ashes in the air, and then boils begin to cover all the Egyptians. 
Now these boils are not just boils, they're boils that become open sores. Okay? The magicians could not stand before Moses and Aaron as they were covered with boils as well. At this point, you know, before the Egyptians said this is the finger of God, at this point, you can almost see where the Egyptians are like, I'm sorry, Pharaoh, we're not answering your call. There is nothing. I mean, we're not going because they're covered with boils. Everyone's covered with boils who are Egyptians, except for who, folks? Who doesn't get covered with boils? The Israelis, the Israelites. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not heed them. So, I mean, think about it. You've got to be really, got a serious pride issue going on here, right? But I want you to notice something. Now the text says something a little bit different. Before, the text would tell you that Pharaoh hardened his heart right? With this plague, it says what? The Lord hardened his heart. Now, what's the significance of that? Anybody? Before, it was Pharaoh hardening his heart. Now, the Lord hardens his heart. Anybody ever thought of that? Let's kind of see your hand in the back, Lord. Yes, you're exactly right. It is another form of God's judgment. Okay, you're like, what? Now, instead of just having Pharaoh back down, God's going to harden his heart? What do you mean? Well, if we go to Romans chapter 1, it talks there about men going after their evil desires, and then it says this, that God gave them over to their passions, right? And it was a form of judgment where God says, okay, if you want to be that way, go ahead and be that way. It's the same thing. You want to harden your heart? Okay, you're going to experience the full wrath of me now. And I'm not going to let you back down. So you're going to experience all of it. Okay? So even with the boils, the Lord hardens his heart and he did not heed them. Okay. Let's go on to plague Number seven. Now this one, you've got to know this has to be God, okay? If you're like, oh, well, this is all just natural phenomena, this next one will tell you that something different's happening here. It's the hail mixed with fire. Now, how many of you have ever been, have ever seen hail? I think all of us have seen hail, you're right? It's kind of cool to walk out there when it's like pebble size and get hit. When it's baseball size, you're like running and ducking, right? Well, here, there's hail. But when's the last time you saw a hailstorm and it was mixed with fire? Never, okay. If that was happening, would that get your attention? Yes, it would get your attention, wouldn't it? Okay, well, here it is. Moses command, was commanded to tell Pharaoh that the plagues will show that the Lord is the only God. Okay, so these plagues are going to show Pharaoh... He's not Ra, which is the sun god of, of Egypt. He's not one of these other gods. This god is beyond any god. The god of Israel is the god because he's going to do something that nobody else can do. And you need to listen to him. 
So Moses tells Pharaoh that hail will come and kill all that is in the field. So basically, he's going to Pharaoh and he's saying, Pharaoh, it's going to hail, and this hail is going to be such that when the hail comes, it's going to kill everything that is in the field. Every animal, every human being is going to die because of this hail. That would get your attention, right? It got some of the Egyptians' attention. Some Egyptians feared Moses and housed themselves and their animals while Pharaoh did not. So some of the Egyptians now are starting to wake up like, whoa, whoa, whoa we got to pay attention here now because this is affecting us. So they put their animals in, but Pharaoh didn't believe and he left his animals and, and, and didn't have the people put their animals in. So you had a question. Uh, you're going to see the crops are going to be killed later. It would damage some of the crops. It says it damaged the fruit trees. Okay? Damaged the fruit trees, the text says. So the Lord sent hail mixed with fire that destroyed the land, but Israel was spared. Israel's up in Goshen. Remember, they're separated from the rest of Egypt. But they were spared in the land of Egypt. It killed the crops, the people out in the field. It destroyed their fruit trees and their crop and their animals. Okay? Not good, right? I think you would kind of be like, yeah, only God can do that. Hail mixed with fire. Pharaoh confessed that he has sinned. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> he has confessed that he has sinned and asked Moses to call for the hail to stop. But when the Lord stopped the hail as Moses asked, Pharaoh hardened his heart against the Lord. All right, now listen, folks, this is an interesting portion of Scripture. Here it shows a guy who recognizes he's done wrong. He confesses. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. But does he truly change his heart? All right, so I want you to hear me. This is a point you need to understand. There is a difference between true confession and remorse. What you're seeing here is Pharaoh expressing remorse. And people, when they get caught, and people, when they get caught, especially when they're doing wrong, will oftentimes express remorse. It looks like confession, right? How can you tell the difference between confession and remorse? Time tells the difference. Yes, Lori. Yes, you see it in addiction a lot. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay? So when the Lord stopped the hail, as Moses asked, Pharaoh hardened his heart against the Lord. Okay, the plague of locusts. Now we're getting to where, if you think the hail destroyed everything, wait for the locusts to show up, okay? The Lord states that he has hardened the hearts of the Egyptians to show his mighty works. Now, things are a little bit different now. At this point, God's not even asking them to let the people go. When you look at the text, there's no asking Pharaoh now to let the people go. God's just striking them with another plague because their hearts are hardened. He has hardened their hearts. He's given them over. They're going to experience his punishment. 
So Moses confronts Pharaoh and states that the Lord will cover the land with locusts. These oversized grasshoppers that eat everything. The Egyptians complained to Pharaoh that he should let Israel go because the land is destroyed. It's getting to be a political situation before because remember now, who is God to the Egyptians? Pharaoh. Whatever Pharaoh says goes. But the Egyptians after a while are like, holy cow, we're losing everything. My cousin Joe was out in the field. He got hit by a boulder-sized hail. And he got burnt. I lost all my cows. And, and, and the locusts are going to come and eat up what's left. I mean, you need to just let them go. So you can see where it's getting to be a politically tense situation now because rulers will often do what the people want, right? But Pharaoh's pretty stubborn. Pharaoh's pretty stubborn. The people are like, well, let them go. The land is destroyed. Pharaoh refused, and he this time, it's very interesting, he drove Moses from his presence. It's like there's no negotiating here. There's nothing. He's like, get him out of here. He drives him out of his presence. That's telling you the condition of Pharaoh's heart. The Lord struck the land with locusts, and they ate everything in the land. Everything was stripped bare. All green plant life was gone. Except one place. Where who lived, folks? Israel, the Israelites. That would get your attention, right? Okay? That would get your attention. Stop for a moment. If you were the Israelites and you're watching all this happen, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad I'm yeah, I'm glad I'm not an Egyptian. You know what I'm saying? The Lord removed the locusts when Pharaoh asked Moses to plead with God. So the Lord removed the locusts. The wind came through, blew the locusts away. However, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the people go. He did not let Israel go. <clears throat> There's one more plague now, folks, that we're going to look at today. And it's the plague of darkness that could be felt. Okay, How many of you like dark things? You know? And have you noticed that when it's dark outside, you can still see a little bit, especially with the stars and the moon outside you can still see some right okay now have you ever been like to one of the caves around our area and you're in there and they turn off all the lights now that's dark right because there's no light there it's dark well and even when you like i you know sawyer and i went there one time to i guess Penn's cave or whatever and you know it's dark but it's dark you don't feel the darkness right this is a darkness that is felt. So Moses stretched out the, his hand as the Lord commanded, and darkness struck the land for three days. So you're talking about it being pitch black dark. You can't see for three days. The children of Israel had light. 
Everything's normal up in Goshen. As the Egyptians could not see anything. They couldn't even see their own hands in front of their face. They couldn't see somebody else in the room with them. For three days. All of this is showing the might of God. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he told Moses that he will die if he comes again. So this is, the Lord has hardened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh's like, if you come in my presence again, you're a dead man. You're a dead man. Isn't that interesting? Like that's going to stop the plagues? Did you understand what I'm saying? That's going to stop the plagues? Now, there's one more plague that is pretty devastating. And that's what we're going to start looking at next week.